This is the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We are pleased to have you join us as we offer up God's Word as the necessary food for His people. The Word of God finds its fullest expression in the person of Jesus Christ. May He be exalted before you today. Now, here is our speaker, Joel Van Hoogen. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7 through chapter 4 verse 11 repeats the story of the nation of Israel's turning from God's will during the time of the Exodus and of their wandering in the wilderness because of their unbelief. The author of Hebrews tells the story as a caution against the destruction that comes on us when we turn away from Christ and in unbelief wander from Him. And the idea is that throughout this whole period of time, they continue to test and try God. They continue to be unbelieving of God. They continue to have kind of an attitude which is like this. If you really loved us, God, if you really were with us and by us and for us, you would do this and this and this. And they complained and they moaned. And finally, God said, you get the idea in this, that although God had not let them in the promised land, there was even here a possibility of relenting at some point in time. But they never turned away from their unbelief. And never turned away from their testing of God. And so eventually God sealed them in this sentence that he had laid over them. The grace of God had miraculously been brought to them. And over and over again that grace had been rebuffed. And finally in its place God determines that they will not be allowed to enter the rest. And they will die as corpses in the wilderness. Now the author of the book of Hebrews is writing to these people. And he's telling them. Listen, house of Israel, you're about ready to do it again. But this time, you're not going to reject, do this, and turn from God in the presence of a great prophet like Moses, but you're going to turn from God and away from God in the presence of a greater prophet than Moses. And you're not simply going to turn away from all the symbols and all those things that typify God's salvation, but now you're ready to turn away from the full substance and content of that salvation which is found in Christ. And it was unbelief then, and it was rebellion then, and it was hardness of heart then, and it was sin then, and it was a turning away from God then, and it will be all those things again if you do it. You'll do it all over again. Oh, you people who are of Moses. You're turning away from Moses if you do this. You're turning away from Moses if you do this. Because this is where God's law, given through Moses, was to lead you. Oh, you people of Moses, you're turning away from the one who is greater than Moses if you do this. What is left for you if you turn away? Now we have to ask ourselves, that's the historical setting. We have to ask ourselves, are there parallels here for us to learn from? And the answer is yes. God has a destination point that he wishes to take all of us in our lives. If you're not a Christian, but you have been considering the person of Jesus Christ, if you're here, if you have found yourself in places like this, pondering the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ, but you have not cast your life in upon Him, well, there comes a point in time in which you must decide, in which you must determine in which your searching and your seeking must come to its culmination and its resting point. And it's not in your religion. It's not in your good efforts. It's not in your works righteousness. It's not in the comforts that you've gained for yourself in the past. I remember one individual who attended our church early on. 
He was a former lawyer, and he was retired, and he was coming at the end of his life. In fact, he was dying, and he knew it. He and I met on a number of occasions, and he was seeking and searching for something that was missing in his life. And he was hoping to find it in our fellowship. He came week in and week out, and there was something about it he liked. So I met with him on a number of occasions. I would open the gospel before him, and I would open it up to him, and trying to entice him, in a sense, with all the goodness and provision of Christ. And he would say, no, nah, I'm not sure if that's it. And, and then I would appeal to him based upon the fact of his own sins. And yes, I don't know if that's the answer. And then I appealed to him the fact that time was short. And listen, you're not long for this world and you're going to die very soon. It's very evident as he had his oxygen tank cranked up on him. And he got very angry at me about that as well. And so we met and continued to talk. But finally, he rejected and he stopped coming to the church. And then he called me. He called me only a few weeks before he died and told me he had found what he was missing. He had found a box full of tapes of songs that his mother used to play in her home when he was growing up of old hymns. And he loved it and it was so wonderful to him and it was such a blessing because it brought him back to his childhood and gave him the sense of peace and encouragement he wanted. And that was what he's looking for. Just a sentimental fix at the end of his life. Just a little bit of rocking back and forth in the cradle of his childhood. It's the wrong culmination point. If you've turned off, you've turned in to investigate the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're here or you're listening in because you're inquiring, and in a sense you've slowed down on the journey you've been on, and you're rolling the window by to check out the Lord Jesus, I want to warn you not to drive on by. You stop here, because this is where salvation is. And a Savior who has come and revealed Himself as God in the flesh and has died for your sins to save you from the wrath and judgment of God. Believe in Him and trust in Him and give your life to Him. If you say, you know, I, okay, I've checked it out for a while, but I've got some other things in another place I want to go down the road. Well, there's only oblivion ahead for you. There's only ruin ahead for you. Just the other day, I was listening, just actually yesterday, I found uh, someone had posted uh, on a website a testimony of a Jewish woman who was sharing her journey to faith in Jesus Christ, how she had grown up in an Orthodox family and an Orthodox faith, and how she was actively pursuing that faith, yet she knew that there was something missing in her life. There was all of this understanding of this great, powerful Creator God who had covenanted Himself to the nation of Israel. And yet she felt no personal connection to him. And she noticed with those who talked that it was all on somewhat of a theoretical basis, but there was no deep personal relationship to this God who seemed to be a God who was personal. A cousin came and visited her home, and this cousin had some time before coming to the home determined that Jesus, Yeshua, was the Messiah. And she was enthusiastic and excited about it. And of course, this rocked the family and her own father told the cousin that she would have to be quiet if she was to stay in the house with them for any period of time. But on one occasion, this young lady and her two other siblings snuck out with a cousin to go check out a church. She was freaked out by it. People were jumping around and they had their hands waving around and she didn't like it at all. But there was one thing that went with her that stuck in her mind. These individuals seemed to have some personal relationship enthusiasm about the God of all creation. So when she got home, she found her sister who had gone with her, and she said to her sister, maybe our cousin is right. 
What if Jesus is the Messiah and we've missed him? Our people have missed him. Her sister became equally angry at her and told her to shut up, told her she was ignorant about her own faith and she was in no position to make any kind of decision about who the Messiah was until she studied and understood her own faith. So that's what she did. She began to read her Bible quite regularly and study it and she began to read through all the prophetic scriptures. And in the prophetic scriptures, she said the one passage that really touched her was this prophecy and this understanding that the Messiah would be like another Moses. That he would be one who would speak the words of God to the people of God. That his teachings would be the teachings that would dictate a new movement to the people of God and people who did not listen to them to their own peril and their own destruction. And that as Moses, he'd be one who would do great works and great miracles. This was at least, she began to understand as she inquired the very tradition that she had in Judaism. And so she began to ask herself, has anyone come yet in history who is as great as and done as great a things as Moses has done and his teachings have guided a whole people in following God? And the only person she could come up with again and again in her mind was Jesus. But she wasn't ready to believe in him. And still she felt empty and unattached to God. Sometime after this, her own sister who had rebuked her had left to go on a soul-searching trip and she was gone for a lengthy period of time. And when she was returned, she saw immediately that her sister had completely changed. <laughs> her whole bearing, her whole countenance, her whole being seemed to be transformed. And when she went and asked her sister, her sister revealed to her that she had found the Messiah and the Messiah was Jesus. So after delaying still for a period of prayer and in the moment of indecision and doubt, God came to her and put this thought in this young woman's heart. There is nothing left to do. You have seen enough. You have heard enough. All that is left for you is to believe. Anything else would be hard-heartedness and unbelief. I want to ask you, are you in that place yourself? Are you in the place where, are you at the point where, really, there's no more consideration here to go on? Anything else that goes on here is not an expression of honest questions, but just someone becoming entrenched in unbelief. How about us as Christians? Is there a parallel for us in this passage? Is there a lesson for us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ and believed in Him and cast our lives upon Him, and we've come to that moment of confession and belief, and we have pledged our life to the Lord Jesus unto the end. Well, yes, there are parallels for us as well. They're not direct, but there are principles here for us as well. The principle is first this. We are still on a journey, and in this journey, we transition through different stages of spiritual growth and development. And these stages will call us for increased measures of obedience and increased actions of the repenting or turning of ourselves and a turning into Christ. Through it all, Christ is to be our complete portion. We are journeying with Jesus. We are journeying into the Lord Jesus. And we are journeying to the Lord Jesus. And that, folks, is the Christian life. With Him, to Him, into Him. But it's possible for us to miss the transitions 
that would lead us into greater growth and development in our life. We can miss, you can miss the next stage in God's plan for your life. You can miss the deepening expressions and encounters with the rest to be found in Christ because in unbelief, you turn away from Him. You might even turn away from Him into the comforts of what you've already attained and you want to rest in some old testimony instead of move on to the new things God has for you. You won't go ahead into full surrender and you won't go ahead into full obedience. You decide you'll plan your own life and according to your own will and your own desires and in unbelief you turn back to old familiar patterns of behavior or thinking instead of letting all things lead you further and further along with the Lord Jesus and further and further into the Lord Jesus. And so you're going to suffer. He's not going to let you get away with it. He chastens those he loves. He knows that your action is, in that moment and in that way, rebellion. It is hard-heartedness. It is sin. It is a turning from God. It is a turning away from God's best. It is a turning from His will. It's a wicked thing of unbelief. Let's answer with Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. It's a good prayer. You've been listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, may God bless you.